I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 349 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an incredible guest for you guys today. Dr. Dilip Joseph was captured by the Taliban back in 2012 in Afghanistan. He was there helping to teach valuable skills to the Afghan people with other members of the Morning Star development. The Taliban snatched him up and held him hostage. That is when SEAL Team 6 launched a daring rescue mission to save him. During that mission, unfortunately, we lost American hero Navy SEAL Nicholas Czech, who was shot and killed. One of his teammates, Ed Byers, jumped on Dr. Joseph to shield him from the barrage of bullets that were flying around the room. The SEAL Team succeeded successfully rescued Dr. Dillip Joseph, and Ed Byers was later awarded the Medal of Honor. You can hear my interview with Ed Byers back on episode 265 of First Class Fatherhood. It was an incredible honor for me to have him on the podcast. Now you are about to hear from the First Class Father whose life they saved that day. Dr. Dillip Joseph will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Dr. Dillip Joseph was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on YouTube. So if you would like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. And speaking of Navy SEALs, next week I will be rolling out my 50th Navy SEAL interview. I have got an amazing guest for the occasion. Find out who by visiting my Instagram page at Alec underscore Lace. I'll be making the announcement over there. Also, next week, my pillow founder, Mike Lindell, will be stopping by, as well as Fox & Friends co-host Pete Hegseth. It's going to be a phenomenal week next week. Don't miss out on it. And I have got some really great content with some spectacular guests coming over the next few weeks. So please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Dr. Dillip Joseph. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's episode is being brought to you in part by Manscaped. Manscaped has precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Let's face it, guys, we're all waiting for those barbershops to open up again because our hair has grown out of control during the COVID lockdown. But with Manscaped's third generation lawnmower, you don't have to wait to shave that unwanted hair below the belt. And let's be honest, guys, when it comes to the bedroom, no woman wants to walk in and find that love muscle buried in the bushes. Get a smooth shave under your shorts with Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0, which includes the waterproof cordless lawnmower 3.0. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code FATHER at manscaped.com. Visit manscaped.com or tap the link in the show notes. Use the code FATHER and save 20% off. And enjoy all that extra attention she'll give you when she finds that bald eagle. Joining me now, First Class Father, Dilip Joseph. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah, good to be with you. All right, let's start right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I, um, well, along with my wife, we have five kids. Um, the oldest is 15 and our only daughter. And then we have four boys and they range pretty much from 13 down to almost six now. Wow. Yeah, I got four myself. So we got three boys and then a girl. What type of uh, sports or activities are they all into? Let's see, our oldest played volleyball for a while, and she's much more into music right now after trying and playing volleyball uh, for a couple of years. She also does dancing on the side. Um, and the the oldest son 
he uh, has played soccer for a couple of years and then he got into field hockey um, and he's been continuing that. Um, I think it's only really only a couple of terms per, since field hockey is mainly outside, although they do do indoor field hockey as well. Um, so it only kind of covers about six months out of the year. And we live in Colorado. Sometimes it's difficult to get out there, you know, during winter. Um, and then the, the fourth child is really into soccer, but he hasn't really done anything competitive yet. You know, he's only, uh, he hasn't started anything like a local club or anything like that. Uh, he just does a lot in the backyard. But he talks about it quite a bit, you know. <laughs> um, Leonard, uh, Leonardo? Leonardo Messi is a, a big favorite of his, so he talks about Messi a lot, a, a lot. <laughs> we all get kind of a little tired of it. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one of the superstars of the sport for sure. Uh, Dillip, if you That's could, right. please, uh, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I am a physician by training. Uh, my background is really in public health and preventive uh, medicine, so I do a lot of... Uh, um, seminars and, and training rather than do, do a lot of clinical work. Um, so I joined after I did uh, a lot of my medical training itself, I joined a group called Morningstar Development and started going into Afghanistan uh, as uh, part of their medical work that they were um, doing quite a bit. You know, they were, they were increasing their medical um, footprint in the country. And you can imagine in a developing setting, especially a nation like Afghanistan, having gone through everything that it has in the you know mid to late 90s, um, the infrastructure for medicine and public health was very poor. So I joined in uh, late 2000s and in early 2009 and uh, did a lot of work in many rural areas for about four full years until I had an incident with the Taliban that actually got me out of Afghanistan and that not being able to go back has been a little difficult, but I've continued my work among the Afghans along with Morningstar Development uh, till recently and I've just stepped down from my medical work and just continue to do some educational platform with them. Yeah, very impressive career that you've had here, Dillop, and we're going to get into that incident in just a minute here, but uh, during all this then, about how old were you when you first became a dad and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I got married when I was 29. I was still finishing medical school. I uh, got into it a little late after working and, and uh, pursuing public health as well. And then I became a dad um, when I was 31 years old. So, um, yeah, that definitely... Um, has had an impact on me because um, it's one thing when, when you are, you know, kind of on your own or just kind of married, um, and then all of a sudden you have this precious young life in front of you, um, very vulnerable, very, um, yeah, I mean, just just very precious in many ways, right? I still remember how life-changing it was in many ways every single time a child is born but certainly my firstborn um and that sort of feeling continued uh as as kids have continued to grow and and the phases that they go through i think parenting just has a impact on you even if it doesn't hit you very hard 
uh, at any moment in the journey per se. Um, I think overall, as you reflect on it and, and as you think through the challenges and the opportunities in parenting, I think it, it, it's hard not to have an impact as a, as a father and as a parent. Yeah, very well said. And so uh, getting into the incident, obviously uh, you were captured by the Taliban. Uh, did, did you, how many kids did you have? I'm trying to do the math here. Did you, how many kids did you have at that time? Yeah. And what, what was kind of your reaction as a dad during that entire uh, uh, circumstances where you were captured? Yeah. Um, at that time when I was captured, I believe I was 39. So it's going on about close to seven years, seven and a half years now. Um, and my, um, we only had four children at that time. And my fourth was only like eight or nine months old. And uh, I remember having uh, such a difficult time with coming to grips with the idea of not being able to impact uh, a child, um, you know, that age. I mean, it, it, it catches me even now when I think about it. Um, but, you know, with the, with the others, they were eight, five, and three. Not that by any means they were grown, but I kept thinking about all of them, but certainly my fourth child, who was a baby, still an infant at that time, and kept thinking that it's just not fair that a child could grow up without knowing his or her father. You know, certainly same for uh, either parent. Um, but I really um, grappled with that idea and uh, struggled as as much as I can. You know, knowing very well that situation that I was in was very dire. There was no um, no reason to hope that I was going to kind of make it out of that alive. Um, so I think I think grappling with those ideas of, you know, what it means to have an impact on children uh, in that situation that I was in has somehow impacted me even since then. Uh, it's not always that you catch yourself while you're in a moment of, of teaching a, a lesson or teaching a valuable virtue per se, that you're always uh, going to have uh, the bigger picture perspective, right? So you have to kind of kind of remind yourself, even as a parent, even as someone decades older than your child, that, boy, e each moment is precious and each moment is kind of worth uh, thinking, thinking deeply about. Yeah, good stuff, Dilip. And I know I Obviously, I mean, your story is very well covered and documented. Your rescue, uh, SEAL Team 6 came in to get you. I, I've, been, I've had the honor of having uh, Navy SEAL uh, hero, a Medal of Honor recipient, Ed Byers, on the podcast here, who's yes. a, a first-class father as well, uh, yeah, and obviously well covered in your book. Uh, now, okay. during your time over there, and you've spent a lot of time in Afghanistan, obviously outside of being captured, what, what, what is the feeling that you get um, about dads over there in, in Afghanistan and their relationship with their kids as opposed to the American father and their relationship here with the kids? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, as much as I've traveled around, Alec, I would say um, when it really comes down to it, um, the, the very basics the fundamentals of parenting or um, aspiring uh, something great for your kids is probably the same anywhere in the world. I think the methodology differs. Um, the culture obviously differs. 
you know, from the American perspective, we understand Afghanistan mainly as a Muslim nation. Um, but then, you know, my my time in Afghanistan kind of impacted me in such a way, especially having had the opportunity to um, kind of cover about, I want to say either 10 or 12, I can't remember, provinces out of the 34 provinces. So covered a fair bit of the of the nation, um, you know, doing various things, if, if it was evaluating or monitoring certain projects or uh, trying to evaluate um, the, the impact of the, uh, the infrastructure that they already have or aspiring to have. Um, so I picked up on a lot of the the virtues that they have and and some of it boils down to you know similar things so i explain all that just to just to kind of remind myself and and you and the viewers to to think of think of each other primarily uh as people who are just human beings trying to crave for something better for ourselves and also our families our children as especially as parents uh and that has been um uh, that's been a very interesting uh, thing for me to remind myself as I think about other cultures and other religion, if you will, and religions and um, various filters that I have and seeing world differently than I than I probably ought to. Yeah, I mean, uh, very well said here, Dilip, with a lot of good information. And one of the things I think um, for a lot of Americans, myself included, Afghanistan obviously came to the forefront after 9-11, where all of a sudden it became where people started to know more about Afghanistan. I think we see it as, you know, a third world country that doesn't have very much technology and it, very, it has very little. But it, it seems like a poor country, but everybody's got a very expensive weapon and unlimited ammunition, it seems like. So it's kind of like, well, wow, yeah. there's no factory there pumping out these guns. Where are they coming from? And I've had uh, Muhammad Gulab on the podcast here who who rescued lone survivor Marcus Luttrell and asking him about it. Like, you know, well, what's the story here? Like, where, 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 why are they so pumped full of guns? And where is all this like Taliban, Al Qaeda, ISIS? Yeah. How does all this stuff like, um, you know, keep popping up one after the other? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I like, I mean, what, where does the history start? Uh, where was this before the Western world came to know about Afghanistan? You know, it's really intriguing that, when you look at some of the pictures and read the history of Afghanistan going back just half a century, 50s, 60s, even up to 70s, um, before the kings kind of kingdoms collapsed and Russia kind of took over, I think it's very intriguing to note that the humanism or the communistic lifestyle or the mindset that Russia brought in left a huge spiritual vacuum in the country. And it, and unfortunately, from what it was in the 50s and 60s to be known as uh, the, the, the motto or the, the phrase that went along with Afghanistan as a nation back then was it was the Switzerland of Central Asia. Just imagine that it's, 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 it's along the way of, of the Silk Road, you know, road back to Jerusalem. It was um, a very thriving uh, nation in terms of trade, it's it's only the the only nation in that entire region, whether it's South Asia or Central Asia, to kick out the British all on its own. You know, every other South Asian nation uh, were under the uh, empire of the British Empire. So there's something to think about how 
a nation that powerful, that stable, then became the pawn of of Islamic regimes or this uh, the sort of unstable, you know, from all aspects, spiritual, economic, uh, educational, moral, if you will. Um, how does uh, how does a history of a nation change or shift that quickly, right? So within a matter of a few decades, so that uh, we might have to just watch and see how this all unfolds. But this certainly was not the history of the nation. Yeah, these are obviously very complicated questions. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, uh, politics-wise and money-wise and, and just uh, power-wise. So it's just a it's a very complicated issue. And, I, you know, obviously, like you said, people uh, at the nature we all kind of want the same thing for our kids, no matter where we are on the planet. We want them to be loved and feel like they're appreciated and we want to see them succeed. We don't want to see them hurt or we don't want to see them in trouble and, and, and depressed. So it's like we all, as fathers or parents, we all kind of want the same thing for our kids, no matter where we are. And getting back to what happened with you here, um, how much do your kids, are they aware of what of your situation, of what happened, you being captured in the rescue? and Or when would you feel comfortable with them reading your book about the entire issue? <laughs> Sure. Um, you know, as I said, um, as I said, um, my kids were eight, five and three and then, you know, nine months when uh, when I went through this. And then our fifth child was born uh, two years after this event. Um, they all know about it. Um, and only my oldest have actually read uh, the the book in its totality, and the others keep asking. I mean, I I would have no trouble for my 13 year old to read it now. Um, and one of the ways that I engage them in the work that I do is I try my best to. Um, since we have five kids, you know, I have to kind of rotate them in my domestic trips, and and once a year I'll try to take one of them in an international trip that I take, just for them to get a flavor for. Um, not only my work, but why I do what I do. Um, the fact that uh, we should never define our life uh, just according to the convenience, uh, conveniences and the, the comfort that we want to, um, you know, see our life through. It's not just about ourselves. It, it has to be beyond that. Um, and how we impact the society around us is very much a virtue that I, I try to impart uh, in my children. So, so I would say just to answer your your question, they, they all have like um, varied understanding of what actually happened. But also from the the immediate locality, our community, while this was all going on, uh, as you said in the beginning, it became a, especially as the death of um, um, this Navy SEAL Nicholas Czech became very uh, known that became then the then the nature of the story as it was unfolding you know the the main premise of the story if you will um and um and i think in due time as they are getting into their adolescent years uh i don't mind them you know reading the whole story and asking me questions but as they do ask random questions here and there i tend to tell them and i also make it a point to um as my kids have gone through the fifth grade, um, right now we have a ninth grader, seventh grader, fifth grader, then the second grader and a kindergartner. Um, 
as one of the classes that I've continued to go through uh, in their local school is the fifth grade. So as I go through fifth grade, they hear the story from my perspective and, and their classmates and they get to ask more questions. Of course, by then they already know the, the gist of the story anyway, but it's kind of neat for them to experience it from a classroom setting as well. I would imagine so, yeah, when your dad has been rescued by SEAL Team 6, that's a pretty cool story for a kid to be able to tell in school, uh, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and mentioning, too, obviously, American hero uh, Nicholas Czech, who was killed in the operation, to, uh, in the rescue attempt. Have you ever had the chance to uh, to meet Nick's family or speak to his family, or were you present at uh, Ed Byers' uh, Medal of Honor uh, ceremony? Mentioning too, obviously, American hero uh, Nicholas Czech, who was killed in the operation to, uh, in the rescue attempt. Have you ever had the chance to uh, to meet Nick's family or speak to his family? Or were you present at uh, Ed Byers' uh, Medal of Honor uh, ceremony? No, you know, um, uh, Nick's um, memorial service in Afghanistan, uh, uh, I would say what they call a ram ceremony. I actually had the utmost pleasure of attending that but the memorial service one of my colleagues along with a friend actually went for that and it took almost a year and a half uh not for the lack of trying for me to connect with nick's mom um she had gone through a terrible terrible time which she apologized for and i said you know ma'am you have no reason to apologize although it's taken a while for us to connect with each other since then i actually haven't connected although um we have a common friend uh, that that let us uh, let each other know how how each of us are doing. Um, I think one of the reasons why it took so long is because Nick's um, a dad who brought them up along with his two siblings. Uh, his stepdad passed away six months after Nick passed away, and then six months after that, Nick's mom lost her um, uh, home, and she had just gone through one thing after another. It's, another, it's just it's just been a it had at that time been a very, very difficult time for her to go through. So it took a, took a while for us to connect. And we, we just had a really, um, you know, amicable conversation as difficult as it was. You know, how do you talk to someone who kind of laid their life, you know, the mother of someone who just laid their life so that you can continue to live? It's, just a, it's hard to think about it even now, you know, seven and a half years later. But in some ways, uh, I suppose the consolation in my mind is these guys are just, as, as you already know, Alec, these guys are just incredible in what they do and the commitment that they show not only to their unit, uh, to themselves and in the code of ethics that they follow and the unit and the, the military and our nation um, is exemplary. It's just, it's just beyond reproach. Um, uh, so, in some ways, even as I sign up for something like this, it is with the understanding that, you know, I could lose my life for this. And, and in some ways, I, I think even in what I do, there, there's a much lower scale of that sort of thinking. You know, you, you have to have that sort of commitment in what you do and, and um, what you're signing up to. And, um, man, I have nothing but uh, amazing respect for our military in general, but then I think, I think the the special op teams kind of take it to the next level. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, Dilip. I, I've had almost uh, about 50 Navy SEALs on the podcast here. I, I'm very uh, just humbled by what they do. I'm just amazed that we have people like that that exist uh, because it's just amazing what they're capable of. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, very well said there. And really get back into you here uh, as a father. 
Uh, what are the most important top values you would say that you're hoping to instill in your kids? Yeah, that's uh, uh, you know something that I uh, think about a lot and something that I continue to think about. Um, you know, I've uh, over time and as I as I said before, as I continue to evolve as a father and as a, as a parent, I think one of the things that that has struck me in the recent past is how much some of the lessons and some of the virtues, um, the main ones I would say, are integrity, um, compassion, uh, commitment, you know, and, and, and they all sort of revolve around this, this theme that I've been thinking about is trying to keep things kind of simple. Um, you, you know, when you, when you want to impart something, whether it's, um, you know, in your work, in your daily life, uh, lessons to your children or in your marriage or whatever it might be, we all come up with certain objectives and certain goals and maybe even some action points, like this is how I'm going to get it done. But I've been reminded more and more in the recent past due to many, many various circumstances uh, that maybe, maybe trying to impart or trying to create a better environment an atmosphere for those virtues to sort of take its roots is more uh, integral, uh, much more important than those action points of this is how I'm going to do it. Because I know I have fallen flat many times trying to impart a certain thing because if I have in my mind figured out, okay, this is how I'm going to do it, and then there's so many variables. You, you, you're essentially talking about Another human being who doesn't think or act the way you do does not have the circumstances or the uh, uh, environment that you've had in you having figured out what you have figured out. And even then, you have to remind, remind yourself that you've only figured it out partly and you're still learning, right? So although the virtues are important to remind yourself, I think it's so much important, so much more important that you create, um, well, it's a... Uh, atmosphere of peace, atmosphere of joy, atmosphere of love, those sort of things to then, these are the non-quantifiables, right? No matter how much you try, you just can't put a value on it because they're just beyond um, a, a value that you can you can put on it. So I think that's been very important for me to think through. Um, how do I create an environment so that the virtues that are important to me can be instilled? You know, they will take shape they'll take root and they'll grow and show fruit in due time. Yeah. Good stuff, Dilip. And you know, I, I'm always curious about like what, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad and ha has it changed since your rescue in this incident? Have you, have you changed your discipline style or what, has there any been real big impact on you as a difference as a dad since the incident? Yeah, it's funny. I, I thought of that, about that a little bit and I realized the fact that, I am probably a little bit more strict than my parents have been with me, which is which is kind of interesting because you tend to like recreate what you've experienced, right? Most most of the time. Uh, but I think my my parents, especially my dad, was was very like a, he was a very disciplined disciplinarian, and I can only think about maybe two or three times that I've been disciplined, like um, you know, either either getting a smack on my my hand or you know um, uh, uh, or um, um, he, he never like uh, never 
did he do it in a, a, a destructive way? He was always very constructive in the way he approached discipline. My mom, on the other hand, she was always talking. I was always getting a talking to from my mom. Um, but I was always much more closer to my mom than I was with my dad. And with my kids, I've kind of kept that in the back of my mind. I think I've only had to maybe um, spank them with a spoon or something, maybe two or three times, each of the child. Although, as the younger ones tend to get a lot more talking to than I've done with the older ones. So I keep thinking about that. You know, even when I create, I think one of the best things that I got to experience as a child is anytime my parents have had to kind of uh, go through a disciplinary situation, they did a lot more sitting down and talking with me and my sister as, as, as children. And I tried to instill that. Um, uh, you know, whether it was before my incident or after my incident, um, have that time of kind of um, breaking down, okay, what happened? Did you, did you understand why? And, and one or two times I've had to actually had to apologize to my kids for disciplining because I knew that I was reacting uh, maybe to the hurt that they were not listening or something like that. And then I go back and, and, and a few times I've had to do that. So I think that's something that, that I keep close to in my mind and try my best to follow because I think it's important as a child is trying to learn a lesson that they understand, wait a second, my parents or my dad or my mom, they're doing this because they love me. They're not doing this because, you know, they're just going crazy or, you know, they just want to have their way or something like that. And I think that's very important in a disciplinary situation that, that it is uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the situation, something that they can truly look back and enjoy having learned a valuable lesson rather than have some hurt to carry, you know, as they move on. Yeah, well said. And what, what's next for you here? Uh, what kind of plans or goals do you have here for yourself for the future? Yeah, I um, I've been working on a, on a book that I've been thinking through ever since uh, I was in med school. Uh, just kind of thinking through the the ideas of holistic health. You know, in our society, we tend to do a lot of reactionary medicine. You know, when you get sick, I've been dealing I've been dealing with allergies as I as I tend to do during the season every year, and and. <clears throat> we approach health in a very reactionary way. So I've been uh, thinking through various principles of holistic health that tends to incorporate the physical with the emotional and mental and also spiritual aspects of um, characteristics of health. And so that's one one big project in my in my in the pipeline. I'm hoping that I can get it done sometime this year. I still do uh, oversee a project that I'm running in Delhi, India. So. Um, if it wasn't for the corona, I would have probably already traveled once by now, but now I'm hoping maybe in July or August I can head back there. Um, and so between working part-time with Morningstar and kind of part-time with the new nonprofit that I've started to do some seminars and training about holistic health and, and my you know, my family kind of keeps me busy with all these uh, moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. All right, la last thing I'm going to hit you with here, uh, Dilip, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, man, that, that's a that's a great uh, 
great question and a great point to have. You know, I, th- I think one of the best overall advice that I've received a- as, a, as a young man uh, before I got into a married life or a, um, being a father is to truly keep things simple. And I've not always uh, taken that to heart. I think that's probably one of the uh, one of the best advice that I've received, and I can certainly uh, one that I can give to others, especially new dads. You know, when when you when you uh, impart on a on a new journey, you always want to think through like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I think that's all great to be able to think through all of that. But then when you start to implement certain things, it's actually good to remind yourself. You know, life is not just about a set of rules um, and I think there's enough especially living in in the society that we that we live one of the greatest things about America as a nation is is just having that liberty and freedom and I think part of that is also giving yourself a bit of space to uh, to not intentionally mess up but to know that hey with the freedom also comes the possibility of messing up but how you get up from that is just as valuable as as realizing, my goodness, you know, I mean, sometimes we can easily make some of the mistakes that the, the, the very focal point of our behavioral model or the definition of who we are, but that that's not how life ought to be like, right? So to be able to remind ourselves that some of these virtues that we hold very dear, whether it is loving others, respecting others, the way you want to be respected or loved, um, it's just really just as important to remind ourselves. So as we care for ourselves and as we understand ourselves better, I think that then has this amazing opportunity to love and respect and treat and care for others because we value we value that for ourselves. So I think as a young father, I think it's important to understand what are the foundational things that they themselves stand upon and realizing deepening that understanding for you know yourself is just as best of a care uh that you can give to others yeah very well said i love the message this has been an honor for me i gotta say philip joseph you're a first class father all the way and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on first class fatherhood yeah pleasure alec thank you for your time Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Dillip Joseph for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And if you would like to hear my interview with Ed Byers, the Navy SEAL who received the Medal of Honor for saving the life of Dr. Dillip Joseph, please flip it back to episode 265 and check it out. Keep it locked in here to First Class Fatherhood. Next week, I got three bangers coming your way. My pillow founder, Mike Lindell, Fox and Friends co-host Pete Hegseth, and my 50th Navy SEAL interview. Find out who? Get over to my Instagram page at Alec underscore Lace. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Tall as a